What's up, guys, and welcome to the latest episode of The Startup Diary. I'm coming in hot for Adam. I can see him covering ears because we're bringing the energy today. It is episode 435. I am Harrison Mudge, and I'm with my co-host, Adam Callow. Adam, how the devil are you? Mate, I'm good. Amazing to be here. You came in pre-hitting the record button. You were, like, quite mild with the energy and then you just come in absolute fire no good to be here audio might sound a little bit different today because i'm currently in basically a phone booth at a co-working space but we are committed to this podcast as a weekly weekly podcast so we found 30 minutes to make it happen if you hear someone irately bang on the glass in exactly 24 minutes that's them get kicked out because we book these in like 30 minute spots so if someone's listening to this, by the way, I'm going to try and do a better job of introducing the show. This is where, for the last 430 episodes, we've shared the highs and lows and all the learnings of what it's like to build a business, sharing the honest truth. That's a tautology. If you don't all that word means, Google it. It's a tautology. Uh, the truth is always honest. A, anyway, it's like a circular, yeah, tautology. A double like entendre. A <laughs> <laughs> it's like a circular round table. But anyway, uh, the honest truth, we're going to stick with it um, because... We basically got bored of listening to all the podcasts saying how easy it is to build a business. We know it's hard, but we know it's worth it. We raised a little bit of capital, bootstrapped it, bit of angel, bit of VC, and then unwound that last year. And now we're in a position where I am the chairman of the business that Harry is involved in and in the senior leadership team. He is continuing the charge over their expert trades. Uh, I'm working for a consultancy called the Growth Foundation where we help businesses grow the right way with 30 functional leads. Really specializing in direct consumer, but really fun stuff that I'm looking forward to sharing on the mics. But today... We put a call out. We're like, hey, guys, send some questions. No, we put a threat out. Let me me, me jump in. We put a threat out. We put a threat out. We said if no one emails in, then we're turning this show off. Uh, So we actually got a... once a week, we got a bunch of emails come in. Uh, Some people were just saying, hey, great to have you back on the mic. So thank you to everyone that got in touch and reached out uh, you can of course ask a question or get in touch harrison expert trades.com two t's in the middle one s at the end but adam i know we're short on time i wanted to just dive into one of the many questions that we got um Amazing. so yeah let's get straight into this mate we got an email that had multiple questions hacked that someone did heather hacked it by asking several questions heather uh, you should have saved it for one a week and kept the show alive 100%. yeah this is on you heather now if this stops next week it's on you uh, <laughs> she says uh, it was funny as well because her subject line was keep the show going <laughs> plus questions and topics Amazing. so heather says let's dive in uh thanks for coming back to the mics. Three questions interested here. Interested in hearing you guys explore. Question number one. This is about strategy and vision. By the way, this is the first time I'm sort of properly reading it out loud. Adam said no, a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> Adam said a couple of weeks ago that if he were doing it all over again, he'd take a month off from the business and think about strategy and planning for the business. This would empower others in the team to identify areas where fixes were needed because Adam was still required. Uh, I like the idea and I take six weeks out every summer. But the the second bit of this, planning, strategy and vision is where I'm stuck. Can you just just pause there, mate? Just so I can, in case people miss that episode, the context behind that was because I've moved on from the business, Harry asked me a question, was like, what did I learn? And what would I do differently? And I think being out of the business has forced the business to grow in certain areas. So I said my way to get around that if I was still in the business 
would be to come out of the business for four weeks a year. And I mean truly come out, not be available on phone and messages, just switch it off for four weeks and then force the business to make decisions on their own and learn what decisions they struggled with, what was easy, where is my ego at play where I think I need to be in the business, but actually the company doesn't need me, which is where I'm learning a lot right now. Well, actually the company doesn't need me as much as I thought, which is really empowering. Uh, but that's the context behind that. Is it was while I'm still in the business, taking myself out of it to think about the strategy and the vision and letting the business wobble a little bit, but work itself out. Just wanted to add that context. Thank you. Uh, yeah, she said, I started my company five years ago. We've grown revenue clients and the team. We have fun and do good work. I met my five-year goals for the business. Yeah, I met my five-year goals for the business and I'm now struggling to set a target for the next five years. Staying still isn't really my nature, but I also want to continue to love what I do and maintain the flexibility needed to balance work home commitments. I'm interested in hearing about how you both think about setting medium to long-term goals. And if they aren't growth orientated, what are they and how do they keep everyone motivated? Growth feels like the default and I may go that route, but keen to hear your thoughts. Wow. What, what an interesting question. So I sort of like default. I thought you were going to pull a beer out then. I'm like, come on, Ari. No. <laughs> <laughs> an interesting question and let's be honest that kind of that kind of pushes me into i guess coaching mode a little bit which is did you say it was sophie that asked the question heather heather close um <laughs> <laughs> sorry uh, sorry heather um i really wish this is sort of conversation i would love to have in person because it's sort of definitely one of those coaching questions because where my head sort of goes to is we're we're trained specifically as like first time founders that there's certain measures that we have to drive a business towards and i made those mistakes early doors numerous times actually i didn't learn from them which was focusing on kpis and measures in the business that are largely vanity measures so turnover being one of them and I understand why turnover is important, especially when you've raised capital, because it allows you to get to a certain scale and maybe raise more capital. But you should be consciously making that decision. If you're chasing turnover, ask yourself why, because I guess the more logical reason or the most the more logical KPI to drive towards is profit and profitability. So that's what matters. So I would chase turnover. Uh, and then I slipped into chasing headcount. Uh, which was how big is the team called eight people, 12 people, 18 people, 21 people. Yeah, cool. Um, and looking back, I really can't even justify why that was the case, but it's, we're sort of as early stage, first time founders, we kind of don't know what the measures are. And I guess if I was sat with you, Heather, I would be having a conversation around what are you optimizing for? Personally, if you run the business and you said the word growth and you've hit your five-year target, so congrats on that. But like, what are you optimizing for within the business? I heard from the stuff that Harry read out that you, you want to protect certain parts of what you're doing, some of the flexibility. I would really just say take it to a whiteboard and be very honest with yourself about what, what your role looks like as the business grows which bits of that business give you energy 
I think there's a huge there's a huge misconception that as you grow with a business, you always have to be the person leading the charge. And I think one thing that I've learned recently is actually I can play to my superpowers and my strengths and that gives me energy and all the stuff I was doing that was CEO, MD responsibilities, a lot of it used to drain me. So I'd say work out what you're optimizing for and if that is you want flexibility, there's a certain part of the job that you love and being a founder, it's probably sales and BD and uh, like you already think about vision. So like thinking about what you enjoy and then being really honest with yourself, which is actually what's the job role that that fits. I can, you could be founder and chief creative officer and hire an MD or a CEO or a COO to take the stuff off your plate that you don't enjoy and make sure that you build the flexibility that you want. It doesn't sound like you're a sort of a funded business, sounds bootstrapped, which is amazing because it means you've got all the flexibility in the world to build it around what you care about. Before you go down that rabbit hole and work out what does the five-year plan look like, do some real deep soul searching and work out what do you want, what are you optimizing for, because the business should just be a tool to get you what you want. Nothing else, it's to help you. And what you want might be to make a positive impact with a team and have great clients and you all elevate each other, fine. But really work out what do you want and then optimize for that. That's kind of where my head goes to with this. What do you think, H? Yeah, I would, yeah, I would agree with that because just sort of thinking about um, the situation at Expert Trades is we're kind of, we are focused. In, interestingly, we've just made a couple of hires fairly recently. So we're kind of growing, but it's more to facilitate the service to the clients that we that we work with right it's not it's not like we're trying to get more people in and grow and we're not trying to be the biggest agency in the world but in order for us to serve more clients we need uh, to to make more profit uh, we need more staff so it's more of a but interestingly it's rather than like f filling the team and then and then solving that problem of like we need to pay people's wages it's it's been an interesting and a really interesting way of almost coming from from the the requirement of the staff more than anything. It's like we are at max. We're we're working at one hundred and fifty percent. There's not there's not physically enough hours in the day. Cool. Now we need someone in to lighten the load um, and spread that work out. So we deliver for the client, but then we can continue to serve more clients by bringing more people into the team. So a bit of a yeah, I guess. Growth-wise, not necessarily much of a like a five-year plan of getting to a certain scale. It's more of it's it's more probably around profitability for us anyway. At Expert Trades now. Yeah, we've just to build on that. Like that's been a shift in mentality in the business over a period of time because we used to believe that certain metrics would result in growing revenue, growing profits, and then. I guess eventually you just have to call a spade a spade. And if you've got a community of 30,000 compared to a community of 40,000, if you can't monetize it effectively at 30,000, that piece of data that you've got, you can't monetize it effectively at 40,000. So I would say we learned that, but at the same time, we were also unwinding the vanity metric goals that were being set from, I guess, investors around the table. And I'm not saying that that's they were doing their job. They were trying to drive us to a the next fundraising round, but that's where the misalignment creeped in. So I think 
profitability is definitely a focus for us. And what you're talking about there is like organic growth, which is actually we've got more demand within expert trades than the team can fill whilst doing the, the level that mm-hmm. we want, the quality, which is amazing because those two new hires that you've made recently are purely from a need, a genuine need. So that's that organic growth within the business from an HR perspective. I would say, I guess just to pull it back to Heather, by the way, if there's a background noise, I apologize. I realize there's a, there's a water cooler on the other side of this wall. So I'm not sure <laughs> if I got that. Uh, but um, I guess pull it back to what Heather was talking about. She's clearly goal-driven and she's hit the five-year goal. There's a, there's a fun little exercise that you could do, which is like get a notepad out and write out what does your perfect day look like in five years' time? What are you doing? Who are you working with? How does it feel when you go into the office? How many people are there? And just kind of like just throw yourselves five year forward and work out what do I do? What are the challenges of this this thing that I've written here, which is getting up at this time and working with these clients and finishing my day at this time? Like, what does that look like? And then just reverse engineer from there. I think the the most important part of what you've asked is not letting anybody else's vision of success or anybody else's definition of success become your definition of success. And that's been a learning for me. Um, 100% be candid with yourself and work out what does success look like for you and then build the business to deliver that. Nothing else. Irrespective of what anyone says, thinks, if they think you're going sideways but you're happy, if you're happy, that's what you're optimizing for, go. If you are optimizing to become the number one player in the industry and that means these sacrifices, great. But if as soon as you define that, and you accept it, you can just get to work. But I would spend more time working out what you care about and what you're optimizing for compared to the actual tactical stuff below, which is the numbers and the metrics that you're actually going to track and, and try and put on the scoreboard. I like it, mate. Well, she has a couple more questions. I don't know how brief you want to keep this episode because I know we are strapped for time. There's a, She's got a couple more questions around sales and then admin. Do you want to dive into one more before we wrap this up? Because I feel like we've yeah, sort of yeah, answered like, heaven. Well, because I haven't seen these questions. You just look at which one of those looks like it needs, which one needs more time and give me the other one. And then we can work on that together. Uh, now you're asking. Uh, I I tell you what. Here's what. Let's jump into admin because it's about a PA. I think you might have an interesting insight into that one. So let's jump to let's jump to an admin question. Do you have a PA? How do you make that relationship work really well? I know people who work closely with PA, and it's like a second set of hands. Uh, they're so in tune. Um, can that relationship work remotely? What KPIs should be set? Uh. She did an audit a few years ago on how she was spending the time. Much of it was on admin. Um, to free up time and grow the business, we hired an office manager and have a part-time PA. Some of that works really well, but not all of it. Suggestions and thoughts, welcome. So it sounds like she's got a PA and a manage- an office manager, but it's not as slick as it would like as she would like it to be. <laughs> and I know yeah. you have had a bit of experience yourself, but not necessarily, well, you don't have one now, do you at the moment, let's face it. <laughs> no, don't have one now. I, I don't know how much value I can add for this, so I'm glad you put this one on the table now towards the end of the episode. So I've had a remote PA and I've had an in-person EA in the past. So just to define the two, one is a personal assistant and one is an executive assistant. What you ex- what you expect between the two are very different and 
I mean this in the kindest and politest sense of the word. So if anyone email, if someone's going to email me and say definitions are wrong, I do actually more. I do more as a PA, but I would, I classified PA's role as administration tasks that was um, relatively easy to hand over and don't require, I guess. Um, functional knowledge around specific skills and areas of the business, it can be trained very quickly and it is an extra set of hands and you sort of leverage someone's time to get more time in the day. Whereas an EA would be much more of, uh, how I perceived it was much more of a considered role, can actually do some of the thinking on your behalf once they get close and understand the business. They act as sort of a second in command on decision making. So over time when you bring them in, they, they really do understand your goals, calendar um, decision-making process so they can actually become a a port of call for the team that if they need something and you're not there that ea can act on your behalf that's what a, a good solid ea can do uh, and i've seen some like real high caliber eas and like they are they are basically the ceo of the company like truly believe that like eas will all go on to then start their own thing because they they dance around the business in such an elegant way and they just learn everything and at some point mm. they must want to go and do it themselves um it didn't work remotely for me because i'm not good at admin so um i'm not good at process that's that's where i fall short and actually having a remote pa created more work for me having a good chat with sam wilcox um actually friend of the show well friend and friend of the show um he he actually taught me some <laughs> tools around um, I guess just to actually try and add some value here compared to just waffling is the, the level of onboarding and support that you give to a PA is directly correlated to the value you get out of them. So if you are hiring a PA for the extra set of hands, unless you get a task, train on it, give resources, how-tos, maybe a Loom video to show here's the process. I have to do this every Tuesday at 10 o'clock. It takes me an hour. Can you do it for me? Here's what I have to do create a library of how-tos and guides. If you do that, you'll probably have a successful relationship in person or remote. I just didn't do that. I failed in that point because I was just like, I'll just, I can't be able to make a how-to for this. I'll just do it myself. But then I'll just do it myself for the next, every week at 10 o'clock, it would just be the thing. And I'm just like, what am I doing here? Like, this is completely besides the point. Um, and then from an EA perspective, uh, we we brought that role in just before COVID, actually. And it was just the role that I didn't need uh, as a cost in the business. It was at a point where things were going well. We were on a really nice trajectory, and then COVID hit, and the whole business wobbled. So I that wasn't a role that I could keep in the business. Um, so it was just it just came down to cost. But I think there's definitely a value there. It depends on what level of trust that you can... Well, here's what my takeaway was. It depends on what level of trust that you can have with this person the people that I know personally that have really solid DAs, they do everything. They, they do the banks, they read all the emails, they see all the WhatsApp messages. They are basically an extension of them. And they are, they are not an inexpensive person to hire. And you have to get very comfortable and confident in that person from a trust perspective. Um, it's something that I haven't been able to navigate. I can't add a huge amount of value, but I would say the more you put into that role, the better. Um, but it's also working out why do you want a PA? It's like, is it just a is it just a different role in the business that you need to define? And lots of people, when I come across small businesses, imagine like a team of five, six, seven people. They all have like administration tasks that they hate doing that someone else could do, 
So actually, can you just go, guys, we actually did this at Expert Trades. We, we got whiteboards out and we're like, hey guys, put the whiteboards on the wall. What do you do is you think is core to your job? And then below that, what do you do that isn't core to your job that you wish you wouldn't have to do? <laughs> and from that exercise, it's looking around. And to be honest, I'm going to be really honest now. From that exercise, we realized that there was a couple of people doing one role. And it was like, oof. So I just knew that I could have pulled the whiteboards out because I actually let someone go about three months after that exercise. And kind of that was the reason why, because it gave me awareness to, oh my word, there's, there's one role between these two people, which was uh, challenging, but also positive because it, it kept the business lean and focused. But if you took your team to it and hopefully they don't listen to the show and they bring out the whiteboards, that isn't, that isn't like a, we're trying to get rid of someone. It's not like a game to play when you get rid of someone. Uh, but it was more of around, if you, if you get people go, guys, what I'm trying to do is work out what parts of your role do you think someone else could do that, that hasn't got your skill set? There will be a bunch of stuff. And I can imagine from Heather's point, she, she said she's got a good team, does good work, crushing it for five She's got years. a part-time PA as well. So she's got a part-time PA. So she's, there's obviously aspects of it that are, well, aspects of her workload that is being picked up already. Seems like maybe there's just some things are still causing friction so maybe not everything's been handed over because of the fear of having to go through that process of yeah uh, it's just get it's so simple but it needs five ten minutes of my time to explain to you what to do <laughs> but it's so well but like have a look at the, the team and what you might do is take that part-time person to a full-time person and make them accessible take some of the stuff that your team hates and that might be a way mm. to just like support and give your team some time back which will be appreciated and it might make mean you get more out of that person and the benefit of that just i guess thinking through that is as they work because if you think about it your pa is siloed your pa is working for you and the benefit of an ea is they are not siloed they interact with every part of the business that's why i wanted an ea not a pa to support different areas of the business so if you think about that and actually if you take a pa for admin tasks but give them visibility of all functions so you go wide instead of just siloed down then all of a sudden that person has knowledge of the business that you might not even know they might be seeing stuff and be able to go by the way harry asked me to do this and sarah said that but this thing's going on over here those two don't seem to know this and then they can start to provide insight and value to you and the team to streamline the process because that person could be I guess the efficiency maker, the, the dot connector within the company. So that was, I'm slightly out of my depth there, as you can tell, but I was just trying to answer a question and give some value. There's probably people that we could bring on the podcast that could shine more light on that. If that's the topic of interest, um, I can definitely bring one of, one of my mates on who's got an EA and just talk through that. I'm not sure how open it can be actually, but we can find <laughs> out. Um, and H, I, I've, got, I've got like a ticking time bomb. Um, I, can, I can tell you uh, keep looking at the door. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll, got, we'll wrap it up there. Before it gets knocked on, but I hope that's yeah, helped, Heather. And you said there was one more question. Yeah, it's about sales, um, just sort of the process and managing that and stuff. But we'll dive into that next time because I know you. I know we'll we won't be able to stop you once we start you on it. Uh, we'll wrap it there. Guys, thank you for listening. I know this has been short and sweet today, but as you can tell, uh, we're on a timer. If you do have any questions and you want to get in touch just like heather did you can email harrison at experttrades.com two t's in the middle one s at the end and we don't ask for this adam but if you are listening and you love the show and you've not reviewed it on on apple itunes yet uh is it not apple itunes apple podcast catcher player whatever you listen on give us a five-star review but preferably go to the apple 
podcast because you know actually we're gonna do that we're gonna gonna do that go to apple if you don't have a that go buy an iphone and then leave a review (laughs) in the podcast player but be shameless leave your business leave what you do we'll start getting back to what we used to do back in the day and read the reviews out guys submit the questions they're the best bits i've got some bits that i want to bring in that i'm learning here actually had a really interesting day today some topics i want to bring on for the next show and H, I want to pick your brain of what's going on in ET because you've got your second SLT meeting coming up. So looking forward to seeing how you guys are lined up for that. On that note, guys, I have like 45 seconds and an angry woman with that. <laughs> so I need to go. It's been amazing. I'll catch you guys later.